Good morning, guys. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Jeff, who do we have tuning in this morning from uh, podcast or from Stuart Patrick and Rick Miller? Glad y'all are with us, guys. We continue in the series of relationships. Phil uh, has got a birthday coming up this weekend. I know that because it's my wife's birthday, but. Uh, he escaped and decided he would try to get to Dallas for a planned birthday event uh, ahead of snow and ice. Yeah, he called me this morning. Yeah. And, and let me know that. Apparently, he's not aware that it's already snowing and icing in Dallas, but uh, he's trying to get ahead of it since it's already started. That's called awareness. 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 Awareness, Joe. You know, since, since, since we're, since we're, we're pinch hitting this morning, let me throw some things off of you, bro. Um, Perfect. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I try not to watch too much of the news because I just get too worked up about it. Do not watch the news. But I decided last night for some reason to uh, to watch the news. And so I tuned into uh, one of the one of the one of the Fox uh, channels and, and, and there's this guy, Joe Rogan. You know about him? Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. I had not heard of Joe Rogan until last night. And apparently there's quite a deal about him. Yeah, okay. I just, I don't listen to the news very much, and I just, you know, it's just simpler in my life not to do that. But Joe Rogan, what is it with this guy? I don't know. He's got like uh, 50 million listeners to his podcast or something. Why? It's crazy. Because he, yeah, he does it. They get on there, and he just asks a lot of questions, and they talk. His guest talk? Yeah, it's awesome. So it's not like some of the other news shows where you have somebody who's kind of leading the format and telling you what to think. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just kind of thinking about it. It, It's interesting. There's some guy out there that I I hadn't heard of, which is not surprising to me. I'm usually last to hear something, but apparently the guy's got quite a following because of something that's rare in news these days. Now, you can have a different opinion, but from what I gathered last night, according to Fox, which you know has got to be the truth. Amen. The guy doesn't really carry the news show. It's just that his guests that come on happen to be well-informed and knowledgeable people that speak about events that they're knowledgeable about and aware of. Well, just on that note, if you want to go kind of uh, find out who Joe Rogan is, uh, just go... uh, on his archives on his podcast and find the interview that he does with jewel uh the singer i mean you just think you know she's some pop singer it, it is three hours maybe long his his podcast is like three or five hours long with these people and she is an amazing human being and what she grew up in and what she figured out um without therapy without counseling um these things that she came to on her own man it's it's really a god thing she's not going to frame it in those terms kind of she does she's very spiritual but it is it is i it's excellent okay so guys help me out here so this joe rogan guy's got 15 million followers and i'm back in the time of 50 i don't know he's he's got a lot yeah most popular yeah it's, it's apparently on some medium called Spotify. I don't even know what Spotify is. I don't know how to find Spotify. 
Yeah. I'm, in the, I'm in the age of Rolodexes still. The interesting yeah, piece why, about that, though, is, wait Phil. a minute, you're in you love Phil. I know, I do love Phil. The interesting piece about that is, though, guys, I found it. As I, as I went to bed last night thinking about it, this Joe Rogan guy I've never heard of, don't know anything about him. But isn't it true that what we're really seeking, and apparently 15 million followers are trying to find, the truth. Truth. Where's the truth? In here. I don't care if you're watching CNN or MSNBC or Fox or listening to Joe Rogan. Truth is in here. And while Phil's gone this morning, I wanted to challenge him, and I'll challenge you, Ron, since you're filling in for him. We have a leadership team at Men's Roundtable, and we meet quarterly. And it's a diverse group of people. And one of the challenges in that leadership group is to hold Phil accountable. Now, we're all men, and we all make bad decisions at times. But the challenge with Phil more often than not and not that, it, not that it's, it's something that he ventures from, but the challenge is to remind him. We're teaching from the Bible. That's what we look to. We look to the Bible. That's the only truth we really have. We continue in the series of relationships. Let me open us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. I thank you for ceasefire, for the breakfast that's provided and the coffee. Lord, I thank you for the men that are gathered here, the families that are represented. I ask that you bless Phil to be with him as he travels, to be with his family this weekend for his birthday. Lord, I thank you for Rome, who at the last minute uh, took the call and said, yes, I'll fill in this morning. Thank you for the leadership team, guides this group. And thank you for Chris, Jeff, and Jeff putting us together. Thank you so much. And let me pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Uh, just word of caution. If you go listen to Joe Rogan, um, you're going to hear offensive words. That's on you, not Joe Rogan. Um, it's really good. So this morning, you know, <laughs> I mean, Phil, he didn't call me this morning. He did. He did text me like last night. So I have to give him credit, give me a lot of notice, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, about 11.30, driving to Dallas, I guess. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, usually, I usually have a hard time just, just, just talking. Those of you that know me, it's like, it really is a problem. I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really an introvert. And, yeah, and talking and it's just uh, so hard. Um, so this morning we're going to continue in our series, um, and uh, you have a handout, and I would encourage you to throw it away. <laughs> I I love my brother, but like. Obviously, you know, Phil talks about spending too much time in the sorority house, right? And I'm looking at, when I, when I looked through this last night, I'm going down this, on the handout, on this restored, the pieces of the transformation puzzle. And I, Phil must be, he must be in the process of getting some psychobabble CEUs or something, right? 
Yeah, he's definitely going through menopause. And um, I, I hope he is listening and, and he's got this uh, playing on his radio with uh, Carla and Abigail and Audrey in the car. Um, no offense to the, to the females. But however, I'm looking at this handout and I'm going, like, soothe, soothe myself. Now, guys, in the, in, the, in the world I operate again, I, I'm real careful about telling a group of men to soothe themselves. I don't know. You can figure that out. And then synchronize attachments. What the? Oh, the, and this uh, identify heart values from suffering and, and then see what God sees, your heart sight. It's like, okay, let, let's talk to my heart. Talk to your heart. Blessing. And then <laughs> sympathetic and parasympathetic response styles. So just, you, we're, we're not going to follow this outline. Just those of you that are anal retentive and OCD, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreck your day. But we're not doing that. So I love my brother. I love my brother. Huh. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure, attached relationship. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth. But biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. The book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. This study is about showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful, mutual connection with Jesus, which would lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. So, as we always do, we're going to start with a song. Um, Zach Williams, uh, the the... The song listed uh, is Zach Williams, a little more like Jesus, less less like me. Now the the lyrics are right, but it says restored by Matthew West. So we just want to be sure we don't get sued. Um, make sure we give the right credit to the right people. So um, a little more like Jesus.
song reminds me a little bit of the you know i, I think it's a, a, a fad that's come and gone but the you know the bracelets you know what would jesus do wwjd um and i always say that um well i don't know what jesus would do jesus would probably go walk on water or um, uh, turn some water into wine or something like that i mean that, that's what jesus would do i think the bigger question for all of us is like you know, what would Roan do? What would Joe do? What would Jeff do? Because that's the question, right? I mean, that that Jesus job, that, that job has already been taken. <laughs> I, I'm not Jesus. Um, however, I think for all of us, you know, Jesus is working in us and through us. And the goal in this Christian journey, I think there's three goals. Because um, we're talking about character. <clears throat> and the three goals in the Christian journey are pretty simple. Number one is to become a great lover. And that's who Jesus was. And I think even with that, there's a part of us that we need to really like look at, understand, define, what is love? I mean, even when you say that word, you know, kind of get, there's all kind of things come to your mind, right? And we think of love as just, you know, love everybody, uh, be sweet, be nice, just love everybody, love, love, love. Well, well, that's not Jesus, and that's not love. Love is hard. Love confronts. Love is a choice. I mean, I sit in my office every day and 
I hear people say things like, and and I'm not going out there and rounding up atheists, right? I mean, the people I sit with are like, you know, they sit in the pews next to me and next to you. It is me, it is you. But I hear things like, oh, I just, I just, I just don't love her anymore. We, we've, we've fallen out of love. We fall in love, we fall out of love. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully you haven't said that. Because um, that's not love. <laughs> love is a choice. Jesus chooses to love unlovable people, unlikable people. <laughs> and sometimes in these domestic relationships, that person that I live with, I don't really even like her. And I'm sure she, I know she would say, well, she told me that yesterday. Anyway, but it's like, there's just the difficulty of relationship. And then it gets hard, and then we want to bail. And the, I believe that the reason we bail is because the lack of character a lack of maturity. Jesus talks about maturity left and right. And so to become a great lover, I mean, there's a whole lot associated with that. And then I believe the second goal is simply to become whole and holy. I do not believe those two things are separable. You cannot be holy without wholeness, and you cannot be whole without holiness. Wholeness is just simply a functional person, an emotionally, relationally mature person, somebody that's not living what I call the half-life of Jesus. I believe in our evangelical world today, a lot of what we uh, is offered to people is what I just call it, the half-life of Jesus. Salvation, get saved, come down here, get saved, come to Jesus, and then get in a small group and then go serve or something like that. We could debate that, but I believe that that's mostly what's offered. It's like if you get Jesus, now you're good. Well, that's the half-life of Jesus because that's not what Jesus, I mean, certainly he offers salvation, right? We know that, Sunday school answer. Why did Jesus come? He came to save us. Well, yeah, he did that. But what Jesus said is that he came to give us life. He said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And the life that he offers us is the abundant life. The life of joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. That's the whole life that he offers. And so many people just live the half-life of Jesus. I got Jesus. I got my fire insurance. I'm going to church. I'm good. I'm good. Look at me. I'm good. And we're missing out on all that Jesus offers. <clears throat> Since we're kind of in Isaiah, 
Um, I just want to read the Isaiah 61 passage that's really one of our anchor passages at Deer Camp because I this just may be one of I don't know one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And, and here's what Jesus offers, and this is what he offers us the very first time he speaks in public. I mean, Jesus gets up, nobody kind of either knows who he is. I mean, he just gets up in church and he 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 rolls out the scroll of Isaiah. I mean, it's just coincidence, right? <laughs> and then here's what Jesus offers us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, that's us, guys. That's not the guys up in Parchment. It's not the guys over in Yazoo City in the federal prison. We are the captives. What, what, what does that mean? And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. We're all bound up with something somehow. To pro proclaim the year of our Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And they will rebuild the old ruins. They shall rise up the former desolations and they will repair the ruined lives of cities the desolation of many generations. So when we get into character and talking about character, um, I, I think it's so important to really even kind of fundamentally understand um, the nature, uh, the construct of man and the construct of the soul. The book that we're using kind of as the anchor point in this series. It's called Renovated by Jim Wilder. And Jim Wilder uh, is kind of a Dallas Willard disciple. Uh, he and I are in the same class uh, because I am that as well. And, and he has this illustration in the book. And it's, it's really the, the construct of who we are as a human. Uh, the construct of the soul. And these different components uh, illustrated with these circles is simply a way of illustration. Um, it, is, it is not meant to be some separate entities with each one of these. It's just a way to illustrate it and to diagram it so you understand it. Uh, because Dallas Willard believed that the soul, who we are, Every part of us is connected. There is no separateness. There is no mind, body, spirit, three circles. Um, I believe that's one of the things that, that kind of permeates uh, our church thinking in many ways today. 
because that concept is taught in seminary. And that's really just a philosophy. It's not like this is what it is. And that philosophy of mind, body, spirit actually comes from Aristotle and Plato. It was Greek philosophy that filtered into church teaching. And the Hebrew thought was this. Everything is connected. And it's one reason I always say I believe at the end of my faith journey, I'm going to be a Jewish Catholic mystic. <laughs> because because the, the Hebrew thought, the Jewish faith, not the religious crazy stuff, we got the same thing in our evangelical world, but it's all about character. It's about who you are as a man. It's about your word. It's about if I say I'm going to do this, I follow through and I do it, right? My word is my bond, our covenant with God. All of these things, and throughout the Old Testament, you see the people of Israel break the covenant. They, they break the relationship. They, rebel, they go off and do the stupid stuff that we all do as well, right? And that is sin because the definition of sin is just disconnected from God. When I am connected with God in church speak, we would call it walking in the spirit, right? Uh, I mean, we, we could put Bible speak to all this and we could put psychology to it. But this is just basic, fundamental, foundational belief. And so when I sin, my sin causes me to be disconnected from God. Because what happens, I'm not living out of my integrity. Now I'm living a lie. I'm not doing what I said I wanted to do. I'm not doing what I said I'm going to do. I'm doing the opposite. As Paul tells us, the things I do, I don't want to do. The things I do, I want to do, I don't do. You know the passage, right? But Paul is laying out this idea of character. And in the Hebrew thought of who we are as a, as a human, it, it is these components. And all of these components um, serve to make up the soul. Uh, and every one of these has to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. I mean, that's the goal. It's like Dallas Willard talks about mature believers when we get, and none of us are ever going to arrive, right? But this, we've got to have the goals and the vision to become whole and holy, wholeness. And, and that last journey, uh, part of the three things on the Christian journey, is just simply to become my true self in Christ, who God created me to be, the man that he wanted me to be from the beginning, but life happened. And I moved into the false self, the shadow self, the dark side, um, I'll touch on that as well, because that's in us. It, it doesn't go away. It's it, again, Hebrew thought, Hebrew belief, not in evangelical terms. Like somehow now you've got Jesus and you're all good. It's just you're good, you're good, you're good. 
You'll never be tempted. You'll never face anything. It's good. It's hunky-dory. That's Facebook theology. Um, and then the social, and, and then the soul is, is kind of the container, the bigger picture in all of this. And, and so at the center, or just part of who we are, heart, spirit, and will, uh, Dallas Willard talks about this idea of the will um, and the heart and spirit. Those words, terms are really interchangeable. It's all, those three things are all connected. Um, it's like we are spirit beings. We have a, there's a spiritual side of us. That part longs for connection. It longs for a relationship with our creator, um, like Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> I mean, the, all these stories that we, it, they're telling the story of, of truth. And then the mind, the mind, we, we would like, the mind is thoughts and feelings. That's what your mind is. It's not just thought. It's also your emotional self. Um, and then the body, uh, the body gets trained. The body gets conditioned. Paul writes about, I beat my body into subjection. <laughs> I don't. Anybody ever heard a sermon preached on that? I haven't, but maybe, maybe it's, a, I don't, you know. And then the social, this is the relational aspect of our life. It, it's an important, it's part of who we are. I mean, I have guys all the time just go, man, I just don't, I don't like people. <laughs> and I've gone, I'm like, dude, I'm sure they don't like you either. Uh, <laughs> holy cow. But, but that guy is just typically a guy that's disconnected, uh, isolated. Uh, he doesn't have a value for any kind of connection. I mean, I always know the guy's story, whatever. I mean, mom and dad were doing mom and dad crazy stuff. I mean, it's trauma and psychobabble is what we would call it. Um, and, and he's just isolated and disconnected. I don't like people. It's like, no, dude, you just don't have a value for something you've never experienced. How could you, right? It's one of the things we always say about deer camp, men's community, all this that we try to promote, try to do. I mean, it, it, it's oftentimes it's so hard to get a guy to come um, because he's like, he believes that he just doesn't like people. I don't need people. Uh, he's a ship without a fleet. Uh, it, it, and then it's so hard. I mean, I, it's like you know, six months, a year. To, like, dude, you need to come to deer camp. And then finally, he comes or he starts showing up, and in, inevitably, without fail, a guy that comes, a guy that starts to plug in, a guy that starts to get connected, in, in about I don't know six months, a year, and all of us that are part of like not just a one-hit wonder and came to deer camp, but like really doing life together. To a man, I could ask for a show of hands. We would say, like, and I hear it all the time, how did I live without this? I, I don't know how I survived out there by myself. And, and it, again, fundamentally, foundationally, it's this. That's part of who we are. But because life happens, 
mom and dad aren't too connected because they got their own stuff going on. Uh, divorce, uh, gone dad, drunk dad, worker dad, provider dad. There's lots of dads, but very few fathers in the world today. And so our spirit is being formed for good or for evil from the day we're born to the day we die. Whether you got Jesus or nothing, we're spiritual beings and our spirit is being formed. And I would say that is character. And evil will form your spirit. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus enters. We ask him into our heart. His spirit invades our body. And now we are empowered to begin to learn develop, practice the things that he offers us to live the whole life, not the half life. And so <coughs> Jesus in, and then Jesus out. And this process of transformation is Jesus transforming our heart, our spirit, our mind, our thoughts and feelings. We begin to put on the mind of Christ. We begin to think as Jesus thinks. We begin to act as Jesus acts. It's not just a hearer of the word. It's a doer of the word. What is the word? The word is the gospel. The word is the incarnational Jesus that is present in our lives through his spirit. He is with us. And he empowers us to begin to change. Now, that's the hard work in this journey. Sanctification. We'll put Bible words to it. Transformation. That's hard. Because it goes against part of our nature as humans. And we're up against the generational dysfunction that has been passed on. <laughs> The third, fourth, fifth, sixth, the generational dysfunction. The sins of the father. Well, what is sin? Disconnected from God. And that gets passed on. And it gets passed on through behaviors. And you may have had a dad that knew the Bible backwards and forwards. May have been a preacher, a missionary or something. I don't know. I've sat with those guys. And, and they're living a half-life of Jesus. They know the Bible. They got the knowledge. But that ain't changed nothing. It's like the guy that is an alcoholic and he quits drinking. And he, and he never really does what we would call recovery. Recovery is recovering the life that God intended us to live. <laughs> None of this is happening. He's just not drinking. Those are the guys you want to look at and say, hey, please go back to drinking because you're a whole lot easier to live with than you are in your dry drunk state because you're still a pain to be around. <laughs> so it is the idea of character. Um, so 
got a video clip, um, and Jeff, if you'll just play about, I don't know, let's, let's go for, I think it's about, I don't know, eight minutes long. Um, but just the, the first four minutes, we'll get the picture, uh, and then I'm going to tie that together. And what I want you to listen for, um, and this is Denzel Washington, that he did a commencement speech several years ago. But, but what I want you to listen for is the idea of character. It, it's, it's the idea of reality. It's the idea of sacrifice. It's the idea of who's in control of your life. And then we're going to talk about that. Number one, put God first. Put God first in everything you do. Everything that you think you see in me, everything that I've accomplished, everything that you think I have, and I have a few things. Everything that I have is by the grace of God. Understand that. It's a gift. 40 years ago, March 27th, 1975, it was 40 years ago, uh, just this past March, I was flunking out of college. I had a 1.7 grade point average. I hope none of you can relate. <laughs> I had a 1.7 grade point average. I was sitting in my mother's beauty shop. They still call it beauty shop now? What they call it? Yeah, I was sitting in the beauty parlor. I was sitting in my mother's beauty parlor and I'm looking in the mirror and I see behind me this woman under the dryer. And every time she looked up, she, every time I looked up, she was looking at me, just looking me in the eye. And I didn't know who she was and I said, you know, she said, somebody give me a pen, give me a pencil, I have a prophecy. March 27, 1975, she said, boy, you are gonna travel the world and speak to millions of people. Now mind you, I flunked out of college I'm thinking about joining the army. I didn't know what I was going to do. And she's telling me I'm going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. Well, I have traveled the world. And I have spoke to millions of people. But that's not the most important thing, the success that I had. The most important thing is that what she taught me and what she told me that day has stayed with me since. I've been protected. I've been directed. I've been corrected. I've kept God in my life and has kept me humble. I didn't always stick with him, but he always stuck with me. So stick with him in everything you do. If you think you want to do what you think I've done, then do what I've done and stick with God. Number two, fail big. That's right, fail big. Today is the beginning of the rest of your life, and it can, be, it can be very frightening. It's a new world out there. It's a mean world out there, and you only live once. So do what you feel passionate about, passionate about. Take chances professionally. Don't be afraid to fail. There's an old IQ test was nine dots, and you had to draw five lines with a pencil within these nine dots without lifting the pencil. The only way to do it was to go outside the box. So don't be afraid to go outside the box. Don't be afraid to think 
outside the box. Don't be afraid to fail big, to dream big. But remember, dreams without goals are just dreams. And they ultimately fuel disappointment. So have dreams, but have goals, life goals, yearly goals, monthly goals, daily goals. I try to give myself a goal every day. Sometimes just to not curse somebody out. <laughs> Simple goals, but have goals. And understand that to achieve these goals, you must apply discipline, and consistency in order to achieve your goals you must apply discipline which you've already done and consistency every day not just consistency that is character one of the things uh, that I, I deal with um, just when there's been some form of infidelity um, not faithful, infidelis, um, is, is the rebuilding of trust, right? Because infidelity, whether it's porn, whether it's affairs, whether it's whatever, is a deep, deep character issue. And I are one of those infidels. <laughs> Been there, done that. And I had to begin to look at my character defects and my shortcomings. It wasn't just, I went and did this thing. The thing is not the thing. The thing is all of the things up underneath that that get us into those dark places. And those are character defects. Those are shortcomings. In 12-step vernacular, we talk about a fearless and searching moral inventory. And that's a whole lot more than just, I did this. Yeah, this is all of who I am. The dark side, those things that I've got to look at, I've got to face, and I've got to begin to change. And you cannot pray that into yourself. You cannot behave your way uh, out of that. You, or you, can't, you can behave your way out of it, but you can't pray your way out of it. That's the hard work in this transformational process, the development of our character, because at the root of it, that's what it is. Um, in, in Hebrew, um, in the, even in the beginning, when Cain is coming to kill Abel, and God comes to Cain, and here's what he says. Genesis 4, 6, 8. Six through eight. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? <laughs> oh boy, anger. Anger is always going to show up. It's going to show up in either going inward into depression or outward. And I sit with angry, outwardly angry guys. And I look at them and go, dude, you're so depressed. I'm not depressed. Biggest man. <laughs> He's angry. If we, you know, I think, a lot of people today hear, like, if we believe depression is anger turned inward, right? Well, if that's true, the flip side's true as well. It's also anger turned outward. 
if you're an angry dude and you're just angry, it's really depression. And depression in men looks different than it does in women. Psychobabble, all this stuff. <laughs> just look at the handout. That it was developed for women. Even the classic diagnoses of depression, that, that's classic in a way it manifests in a woman. In men, it looks very different. And as men, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to face it. We ain't going to admit it. We're going to go drink it away, drug it away, sex it away, work it away. Mm. Talk about it? Uh-uh. And then we'll just we'll be angry. And sometimes the anger turns on ourselves. And then we're clinically depressed. And I've been there, done that. It ain't fun. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, character, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You, Cain, George, Modic, Ricky, Rome, Joe, you must master it. It is on me to master this desire that is part of who I am. In Hebrew, that word desire in this particular passage is yetzer hara. H-A-R-A. And that word is all-encompassing lust, envy, ah, all the dark side of our human nature. And it is there. It does not go away. We are told by God himself, you must master this. You've got to develop your character. You've got to transform the soul you've got to get the social part of your life headed in the right direction with the right people around those people you've got to get your body engaged because this desire that's in you has been conditioned and trained over time because you've let it run wild like lost donkeys in the woods you have not done anything to try to take every thought captive in obedience to christ you've just let it go wild and your life reflects it. Angry, resentful. Uh, uh, that, that's where it comes from. And in Hebrew, it's the Yetzer Hara and the Yetzer Hadav. It's, it's the dark side and the good side. The black dog and the white dog. Which one wins? Well, the one I feed. And I've got to be headed in the direction of the white dog every day, every moment, intentionally, because our enemy knows this stuff a whole lot better than we do, and he will use it, and he seeks to kill, to destroy, to devour, to eat your heart. And if I'm not intentional every day, <laughs> when my feet hit the floor, I better be intentional. Dallas Willard, a uh, little acronym that he uses, Denzel Washington talked about discipline, consistency, and you better have goals, you better have a plan. If you don't, it is just a, it's a wish. It ain't going to be nothing. Dallas Willard 
calls it this, vision, intention, and means. I've got to have a vision for who I want to be, the man I want to be. I've got to get very intentional. My will has to get aligned with God, who he wants me to be. And then I've got to put the means to it. If I don't do that, ain't nothing happening. That's where the rubber meets the road. So, Richard Rohr, I've talked about this, but I think this is just such a critical piece. Uh, this is the idea of like what it takes for a boy to become a man. It comes from his study of tribal initiation rites. Uh, he went and studied tribal cultures. And um, these were the five themes that, uh, that, that, that were universal uh, in all of these initiation rites, boyhood to manhood. And then I just, I kind of, I, the words out beside it, I just added those because that, that, this is the gospel, I believe. And these are things we have to learn. This is character. What does it take to be a man? Number one, life is hard. That's reality. Good mental health is a relentless commitment to living in reality. You move out of denial. You get honest with yourself. You get honest with others. That's reality. And that's hard. Life is hard. Number two, your life's not about you. <laughs> that's sacrifice. Number three, you're not that important. Bad news. That's humility. Number four, you're not in control. God is. And number five, you're going to die. And guys, that is faith. I mean, you look around at COVID crazy and like, oh God, people are dying. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I could die from COVID. I, I don't particularly want to die, but I'm ready to die. I, I have faith, right? I don't live in fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, empowered to love and to practice self-control. And so if these are the things that a man has to learn, a boy has to learn to become a man. Well, what happens if we don't? And I'll just close with this. So this is Richard Rohr's book, Adam's Return, is the book that unpacks all this. And, and here's what he says around not learning this. Initiation is not about being a warrior as much as it, as it is about being conscious, awake, aware, and alert. Note how much Jesus talks about the same issue. Always. Jesus is pointing us to awareness. He's pointing us to maturity over and over and over. Maybe it's why initiation rites are always done in nature in some various form of solitude. Nature is the only thing that, a, that the young man has to respect. I mean, they got to go out and do real stuff and real environment. It's like, it's real. Nature's grandeur awakens him to mystery 
and it's silence silences him. That's why we do these men's, we go out to the cathedral of God, right? If a young man does not learn this respect early, he will spend his life demanding that everyone and everything listen to him, which creates a tragic deafness and narcissism. It inverts the nature of the universe, the construct of the soul. Alcoholics Anonymous is one of the few modern self-help movements, places that has the honesty to tell people that they are narcissists and selfish. Others dance around such an unflattering but obvious truth. Yet, sir, Hara. It's finally all about one thing. What are you going to do with your pain? Are you going to blame others for it? Are you going to think that it just has to be fixed? As it has been said, pain is part of the deal. No one lives on this earth without it. It is the great teacher, although nobody, none of us want to admit it. If we do not transform our pain, we will transmit it in some way, some form. Take that as an absolute gospel truth. If we don't learn these important spiritual lessons, life lessons, then maybe all of the following things, five, the five things that will happen. Number one, we will become inflexible, blaming, and petty as we grow older. Get off my lawn. Number two, we will need other people to hate in order to expel our negative inner negativity number three we will play the victim in some form as a means of false power that's what a victim does number four we will spend much of our life seeking security and status money and status as a cover-up for the lack of a substantial sense of self I don't know who I am. I'm going to hustle for my worthiness and show you who I am by my external means because this is hollow. Number five, we will pass on our deadness to our family, our children, and our friends. Thank you, guys. I would just say with all this, it is character and it's just time to grow up, stay in the process, stay in the fight, fight for your heart and fight for the hearts of those that you love. Let me pray. Father God, thank you um, for who you are. Uh, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your patience and your kindness. Uh, and Lord, we certainly are... Uh, just so grateful that you are a God of kindness. And it is your kindness that leads us back to you, to repentance, to life change. And Lord, may we all learn the essential resource of living together in true, authentic community so that we are able to do this. Because Lord, you tell us over and over, we cannot do it alone and we need one another. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.